eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. We've got a lot of Big Ten basketball to talk about today, and it is Monday, and we're back on the Mondays with Mike. And, uh, Carp, I'm looking outside my window here in my office, and there's already still two feet of snow on the ground. We're about to get some more, but at least we have sports going on in the world. Like, I had that moment over the weekend where I'm sitting there, I put on Ohio State, and then I watched Wisconsin-Michigan yesterday, and I know Illinois fans aren't happy about that result. It was just like, it's nice to have this in our lives right now because I remember that time we didn't have sports, and that that sucked. I would have been miserable if Illinois had lost Friday. You, you compound a loss on Friday against Nebraska with all this stuff, then I would have been angry. But, you know, it was a great weekend of sports, and thankfully Illinois avoided or averted disaster. And then I watched more college basketball this weekend than I have in a long time. And I think what it speaks to is my interest in college basketball and Big Ten basketball as a whole is directly tied into how good Illinois is and if they're in the race or not. And we're sitting here on February 15th, and they're in it. I know that some things have to go right for them in order to win a Big Ten title, but they are still very much alive, and that means I'm scoreboard watching and I'm finding whatever game is on and consuming it. So it is a nice distraction in what is otherwise a pretty miserable stretch of winter yeah so let's get to that that win on friday night because i was writing just about this is one of the worst losses in college basketball is is you know kudos to them they hit a couple big threes uh with what four minutes left and then io puts on a superman cape man and he he writes the latest great chapter of, of his closing ability in his career brad underwood called it hellacious which i thought was great um but that was that would have been one of the worst losses in college basketball this year. And instead, you look back at that game as like this great moment because it's Io DeSumo doing what Io DeSumo does. And I mean, I know you talked about it on your pod the other day, but it's just he continues to solidify himself among the elite of the elite that have ever worn an Illinois basketball uniform. I'm so glad that the story that you were going to write didn't have to be published <laughs> because as we were doing the podcast, we were trying to think, how do we frame this? And I was stumped. Other than just saying this is an absolutely abysmal loss, and I fretted having to go down that road because it really would have zapped a lot of the fun and momentum that we had invested in this team, however you're covering it. You had the more objective journalistic perspective, but I think even for you, if I can ask you a quick question, yeah. you're enjoying this ride. It's fun to cover yeah. a good team. Yeah. And Why would, for your perspective, well, that would have kind of stunk, right? Yeah. No, it would have been, it would have taken the air out a little bit because, yeah. you know, covering a Big Ten title race is fun. I mean, the last two weeks of last year was like, oh man, Illinois can win the Big Ten. 
Like that would that's a huge fun story to cover. And you know, like we've covered losses and we've covered the bad stuff. And I've covered, you know, coaching changes. I haven't covered this kind of team, right? Like this could be a final four team. This is a team that national media are interested in. I haven't covered that kind of team. So that is fun as part of my job to cover it. And if they lose to Nebraska, I just don't see them. They, they would have had to run the table. They'd be kind of in the Iowa situation to have to try and win the Big Ten, I think, because we'll get to this. Michigan's really good. And there's another really like Ohio State is really, really good. And I don't see those teams losing that many games left on the schedule. And if you lose to Nebraska uh, with a, you know three top 20 teams left still on your schedule, I, I don't see Illinois having a chance. So, um, yeah, the, the fact that they're still in the Big Ten title race right now, they're the five overall seed, right? Like that wouldn't have happened uh, if you're in Nebraska. You probably fall to the three line, and I just don't see really much of a path forward to winning the Big Ten unless you win out. Yeah, and I had all these thoughts throughout the weekend, including Saturday morning at 1130, they have the seed reveal on CBS. I'm thinking this would have been far different. Yeah. If they would have lost on Friday, now we're on the, I don't know if I'm overreacting, but maybe the top four seed as opposed to the number one two seed. And that sort of thing would have just taken all the air out of the sails, which we had built up over the last two and a half weeks, going back to that Iowa game and even the Penn State game to an extent. So the good news is that you have Io DeSumo, who is a potential National Player of the Year candidate, which I thought that was the case back in December. There was maybe a lull by his standards, maybe a bit of a lull in mid-January, but you're starting to see that if it comes down to it and it's a close game, that he is the best closer in college basketball. And what I also think about Friday night's game, not to excuse the performance from the team, I, I would have given them one bad half against Nebraska, but I really do think that you go into that game as opposed to a top six matchup against Michigan. Psychologically, that team wasn't where they needed to be. And what I'm hoping is that's the final hiccup. <laughs> We've seen this from this team dating all, all the way back to earlier this year against maybe, well, Maryland being a big example, but uh, even some of the lesser teams like Ohio in the third game of the year where this team sometimes doesn't mentally have what it probably needs on a night-in-night-out basis, but they have gotten better with that. And Nebraska felt like a reversion, but fortunately, it was Nebraska, yeah. and you could withstand that against a team like that. Yeah, I said it in our post game pod. I felt like I thought that was done. Like I thought the energy effort thing was done. Um, so maybe this is just a reminder that they're college kids. It's a season. Yeah. It's a long season. It's a weird week for them, uh, where they thought they were going to play the number three team in the country. They didn't. And let's be honest, we all thought they'd walk in there against Nebraska. It's just they can't have that mindset. But you do have a guy who can save you. And, and I will say this, too. Kofi Coburn was the best player on the court for, what, 15 minutes of that game? Uh, in that middle 15 minutes, he just dominated. Uh, but I, I do want to bring up that, that conversation because uh, about Iowa and player of the year. Because when Illinois beat Iowa, and then Iowa lost a few more games, Carp, and then Illinois won a couple more games, I just started to think, like, is this done yet? Because even in my mind, it was like, okay, Luca Garza, deserving. He's the Big Ten Player of the Year. He's the National Player of the Year candidate. And, you know, he came in as the favorite, and he'd done nothing uh, to, to not be the favorite anymore. But then he started to struggle a little bit. And even in a win, uh, a, a huge win at Michigan State, and boy, is Michigan State terrible, he didn't put up great numbers, right? Iowa's not right now a Big Ten title contender. I think they have to win out to, to have a chance to do that, and I just don't see that happening. Um so I don't think it's done yet. And then Io goes out and has a triple-double in a 
dominant win over Wisconsin, who's still a good team. And then he did that to Nebraska to end the game. Those kind of moments in a player of the year race really matter. So I just thought the door was open. And now you have like Matt Norlander of CBS Sports, who's really good at his job, saying, hey, he's nipping it at Garza's heels. And you look at the stats and they're pretty similar. Like they're both like shoeing all American candidates for me, probably top three uh, for both of them. So now he has to keep that up. But I think, and I think Illinois has to win the Big Ten for Iowa to win the award, get a number one seed. But I, I think it's a race now where Iowa is pushing Garza for this award. And the more Illinois wins, and if Iowa has another loss and Garza d- doesn't put up 25 and 10 like we're used to every night, I think Iowa has the chance to win this narrative wise and with the special performances he's having with one of the best teams in college basketball. Yeah. And do you have any doubt that Iowa's going to have more moments in the regular season? I don't. I I looked at that last week in particular at Wisconsin, presumably at Michigan, sandwiched in there somewhere. The Nebraska home game, essentially four games in eight days, we're probably looking at for that last week. And that is a bear of a schedule with three road games against three pretty good Big Ten teams to great Big Ten teams in Michigan and Ohio State. And I have no doubt that he's going to have a moment or two that week to what I think solidify the Big Ten player of the year, where he doesn't need to win the Big Ten title to win Big Ten player of the year, because in all likelihood, Luca Garza is not going to win a Big Ten title either. It really comes down to moments down the stretch. For the national player of the year race, I wonder the same thing, where if Io is going to need that conference championship to solidify, because if all things are equal, and it is Luca based on production and statistics versus Io. Uh, who would be, I guess, the other most viable candidate? Are we looking at Drew Timmy? I think it's Jared Butler from Baylor. Um, it's the hard part with Gonzaga is they got three dudes who might be all right. Americans, so they got it's kind of like the 05 the, Illinois yeah, problem. Yeah, it's it's that problem. It's like who do I pick here? And, and even with Io, like I sit there and think sometimes Kofi might be the most valuable player on this team at times, right? Like in our player grades, he has the higher grade by like minuscule, but like a higher grade because I think he's more consistent defensively and he's just been more consistent during Big Ten play. But I I think it's clear Io's the guy, right, on his team. I I don't think that's as clear on Gonzaga with Suggs, Kispert, and and Timmy all being All-America guys. Uh, I think Butler clearly is the guy on on Baylor. But, uh, I mean, Garza – I, I don't want to belittle like he's ridiculously good. He's just ridiculously good as a college player. But it you look back and I think I think I was gonna to be top ten this week, probably, uh, after their huge win. And metrics wise they're really good. But you know, I don't think they're gonna finish in they might not finish in the top ten. And usually it's gotta be a top ten team uh for the guy to be national player of the year. We can argue that or not, but um I think it opens the door for Iowa. Which is yeah, a great conversation. I mean, think of the conversation we're having, Carp. Like I three know. years ago, if we're talking about this, even with Io Desumu, who I thought was a really good recruit, I didn't think National Player of the Year candidate when he got here. I didn't think all-time Illinois player. Right. Just because you, you, you don't know until you see it. And it wasn't really until probably mid-January last year, I guess the Wisconsin game up at the Kohl Center, where you thought, oh, okay, well, there's something extra here. And, uh, above and beyond the fact that he was going to be a good college basketball player, but we're looking... And this is the other conversation on top of National Player of the Year, which I think D. Brown won at maybe the Sporting News Player of the Year in 05. I don't know if he was the Wooden Award winner or not. I know he was an All-American for sure. But this is potentially the best single season in Illinois basketball history. It's up there. By anybody. Yeah, I mean, if you just go production-wise, how good they are, I mean, 
Frank had a pretty dang good junior year, right? He um, did. He, well, no, Frank saw. That's the thing about Frank. And I love yeah. Frank. You know, you know, I love yeah. Frank. He's one of my all-time favorites. But for all the clutch moments he had, there were other games, and the infamous one, of course, Billy Packer saying Frank's playing like a dog against Michigan State, Super Bowl Sunday, Frank's junior year. Probably and can't that, say that nowadays any, anymore. No, no, <laughs> you could not. No, <laughs> like even back then, it was like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> And I think that as I look at Io and what he is doing, and, and this is an apples and oranges comparison, but Frank came into a program that was fairly well-established. He yeah. elevated it, there's no doubt, but he came into a well-established program, Lon Kruger into Bill Self, and then you look at Io, and he came into a situation where you had nothing. So when you consider that context, not only did Io bring you back to respectability, he brought you back into national elite level kind of yeah. basketball where you're looking at a two seed as long as you don't blow it here down the stretch, that's the that's the low bar for this team. Yeah. Is a two seed if they if they avoid the bad loss. So I'm thinking that in terms of production and clutch moments and impact on the program, it's difficult to not consider Io at the very top of this. And you know, D Brown, face of the program, the closest thing to a mascot outside of Chief Alana what this program's ever had. But for a no a new generation. I was the guy, and I can't really disagree even with all my favorites as I reflect on them. Yeah, Brian Cook had some years that probably go overlooked. Um, oh, his senior year was incredible. Yeah, I mean, basically a double-double every night. I mean, Kofi's in that territory. I mean, Kofi's having one of the best individual seasons we've ever ever seen. He but should like, be an All-American. No, but he, should. We, he should. He's going to maybe get screwed in that conversation because kind of like the Gonzaga effect. We have two Alana guys in the top five of the country, but it's difficult to argue Kofi's impact. Yeah, I thought Iowa was going to be like a Tony Carr kind of player. I mean, Tony Carr was a heck of a player at, at Penn State, mm -hmm. um, but he's been he's been better than that, right? Like he's he's been far better than that. All right, Carp, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I want to talk about the rest of the Big Ten because the rest of the Big Ten is getting really interesting. And as you said, uh, we're all paying attention really closely to this. And there are some teams that are legit, uh, as good as Illinois. Uh, and then there's some other teams, I think. One, we need to look out for possibly making an NCAA tournament run. Uh, and then two programs uh, that are just having really regrettable years. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up next. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, Carp, I know Illini fans were very tuned in on Sunday to watch Michigan and what they looked like when they came back, and uh, they didn't look so good in that first half, and I thought Wisconsin was fantastic, had a 12-point halftime lead. But then you saw that Michigan, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, they, they outscored Wisconsin 40-20 to in the second half to win that game, and they, you know, they, they kind of screwed around for a while. I thought that game was there for the taking for a long time, but – they dominated the final, what, 10 minutes of that game especially. Uh, Michigan improves to 9-1, and one, and uh, boy, they're really good. I don't see very many losses for that team, Carp. So I know as, as angry as Illini fans are at Michigan postponing that game, and I understand it, Michigan's really good. Like I, There was no guarantee Illinois is winning that game. There just aren't holes on that roster. And I had questions about Juwan Howard, especially with what was happening last year, but the roster construction there – that's the deepest team in, in the Big Ten. They just don't have any holes. They're good on the wing with Livers and Wagner, and I think both those guys are NBA players. Hunter Dickinson is a load in the middle, and he just dominated Potter and Reavers, who looked soft yesterday. Uh, I like Demetrius Trice, but even Mike Smith reminds me of like a Tracy Abrams kind of player, where he's just or Andres Feliz kind of thing. Uh, and then they got a good bench as well. That That's – I mean – I, I know fans don't like me saying it. I know they got to play harder teams. They haven't played the top four, but they've pretty much crushed everybody uh, that they've played so far. So um, maybe there are a few losses left on their schedule, but I don't think very many. I don't think they're going to get to four losses. And that means that Illinois would have to essentially run the table and win at Michigan, which they'll still have something to say about it, I think, the last week of the season. There's still Rutgers, even at Indiana. That seems to be a tough matchup for anybody this year. So Michigan's got that. Iowa, even though that's at home. But scheduling breaks aside, the way that they're winning, it's difficult to picture them not winning the Big Ten outright. Ohio State, as well as they're playing right now, they're behind the eight ball with four losses, and it's difficult to imagine them catching up. And with Michigan, it's one of those situations where they're just balanced. They have some excellent players. They have NBA players on that starting five, but they're balanced. And when I look at Illinois, I think the difference between them is, you know the top two guys in Illinois are going to be great every night. You know that. But three, four, and five, that's subject to change. And but Michigan, they have it to seems be, like every right, like yeah. you know, they yeah. Io and Kofi to, to win the Big Ten, they have to be great, and they usually are. That's why they're yeah. ten and three. But with Michigan, Livers could have an off night, and then Franz Wagner looks like you know potentially a, a guy who could be in the discussion for a top twenty pick in the draft. Yeah, and that balance makes them especially dangerous. I think in the tournament, they're worthy of that one seed. They'll get it, and that's fine. I think what scares me as an Illini fan is looking forward and projecting what Juwan Howard can build up there. And trying to figure out where is Illinois' place is, as I look at Brad Underwood and recruiting, and maybe they'll get some good news tonight with this uh, wing. Uh, the name escapes me. R.J. Melendez, yeah. Thank you, yeah. I, and to be honest, I've kind of tuned out of the recruiting thing because I'm so laser focused on this team, and there hasn't been a lot of action. Uh, but with Michigan and looking what they have coming in next year, and that was the scary thing when they hired Jawan Howard in the first place was, if a guy, which if he can coach, and he was in the NBA for a long time, you know he's going to recruit. Well, I think he can coach. Yep. And the only thing stopping him from building a juggernaut at Michigan would be saying, 
all right, I want to go to the NBA. I want to be an NBA head coach. And that might happen. But there is something about being a Michigan alum and just being this perfect fit. And I envy the position of any program that can go get their guy that was a stud player and then becomes a stud coach. And he's young. He could be there forever yeah. if it came down to it. And I think he'd probably be very successful. I, I think the calculus with Michigan was, okay, we had John Beeline, um, who's one of the best X's and O's coaches uh, in the business. And, and you know how much I, I love what Beeline did there. And, and I think he was you know, up there with Izzo, maybe better than Izzo for a couple of years yeah. there. Um, but like, so I had my doubts. Like, can you follow that up with kind of this different thing but I got to say, Juwan Howard hiring Martelli, hire, he's got a really good assistant coaching staff. And then I think he's been willing to learn. He's not this you know, old NBA coach or old you know, alum who just kind of sells these stories from the Fab Five, right? Like, it seems like he's learned a lot as a coach. And, you know, last year had some rough patches, but boy, they figured it out. That, if, if you're doing future rankings of the Big Ten, it's Michigan number one. And Absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's pretty amazing what he's been able to do. Uh, also, I mean, Chris Holtman is one of the best coaches in the Big Ten, too. I, I did not think I, – I thought this team would be better than a lot of people thought. I think I had him six or seven in my preseason poll because I just love E.J. Liddell, and I think uh, Chris Holtman's a really good coach. But they've now won six in a row, uh, nine of their last ten carp, and they are a legit threat. Like they are a legit threat to Michigan right now. That's going to be a fun game next Sunday. They still have Iowa and Illinois on their schedule, but those are home games for them. So if I had to predict today, I might say Ohio State finishes second, more likely than Illinois finishes second in the Big Ten right now, just because they are deep too. And that's of the top teams left in the Big Ten. I would even include Iowa in that. I think Illinois' depth is, is probably the worst of those teams, but they have two of the best three players probably, or two of the best four players in the Big Ten. So uh, that's what they have going for them. But, but Ohio State's legit, man. They play hard. They throw all these guys in the front court at you. I love Zed Key. They're, they're freshmen who battles Garza, battles all these Big Ten guys. Kyle Young, Seth Towns, Justice Suing. And then you got Dwayne Washington who can go off. Justin Aarons who can make threes. C.J. Walker doesn't turn the ball over, doesn't miss free throws. Uh, it's just a really good, really good team. Yeah, I think you had said this before, and I don't know if it was a conversation we had or one of your own podcasts, but there's a lot of Elite Eight teams yeah. in the Big Ten right now. And the more that the season goes on, I'm starting to think that depending on the matchups and if you get two one seeds, you're likely to have two Big Ten teams in the Final Four. And I, I think that you have a pool of four teams of which you can choose that. Ohio State and Michigan, to me, seem to be the most dangerous because of that balance. And I think you hit it on the head with Illinois. I love this team. You know what Iowa and Kofi are going to bring you, but there's always that question mark from three and below. But Ohio State and Michigan, it doesn't seem to be the case. Their starting five could have four different guys in double figures, and we just don't see that very much within Illinois. But as the season goes on, next Sunday is going to be a monster matchup. I don't know if that's going to be enough for Ohio State to play themselves back into it. I think there is something liberating, and I'm trying not to rationalize the fact that Illinois is behind the eight ball in terms of winning the Big Ten. I don't think I'm going to look back on the Maryland game and say, ah, gosh, you know, just because Michigan's playing at such a level. But I'm okay finishing third in this Big Ten when you consider the level that Michigan and Ohio State are playing at and thinking, okay, I need to just kind of recalibrate and say if this team is going to have some sort of tangible moment this year, it would be a run in the NCAA tournament. And we talked so much back in 93-5, the crapshoot nature of a single elimination tournament, and that's dangerous. I would prefer to raise a Big Ten title banner and then go from there. But that doesn't seem to be the likeliest path, and I still think that when it comes tournament time, I'll take my chances with two elite players 
and then maybe for an Ohio State. You know, they they get an upset sprung in the Sweet 16. I, I it all needs to play out, but I'm I'm sort of gravitating towards that mindset, and I know I'm rationalizing. Don't not don't, don't give up yet, Carp. Uh, don't, I don't know. Don't, don't be waving that white flag yet. No, I think I think they got a real shot. Uh, if if I had to do like odds, I'd probably say Michigan has like. 70% odds of winning the big time. I mean, they control their own destiny and they got, they got a margin for error right now, but they have a tough schedule. Uh, they got, and they got a lot of games and a lot of days. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, how that works. But I just think uh, at this point, I think they're the best team and I think they have the best record. They haven't had any real slip ups yet. Um, so I just think they got a really good chance here to, to win the big 10. I'd probably go Ohio state slightly like 20% chance. Uh, and then Illinois, probably like a 10% chance. And I don't know if it's close, how we're going to determine if these teams have different um, amounts of games here, but I, I would say the big 10 is great. Like I saw people burying Greg guard yesterday, just burying him. Because we can talk about that. I want to talk yeah, about that. No, I, I want to talk about, but it's like burying him because he lost a, game to a top five team in the country I'm like, guys the big 10 is really really good and illinois i mean illinois fans should know this the final line i didn't win the big 10 right like lou henson only won the big 10 one time yeah, uh, in right. his career and then i think lon kruger bill self bruce weber they won big 10s and they were deserving and they were a great program but you know carp that was not the same league as we have right now like this this is ken palm says this could be oh, no. the best league in his time of doing the metrics right like the best ever so if you did finish second or third in the big 10 i don't think you say oh man that was a failure just like no this is this is the best i mean any other league i think illinois is winning outside of maybe what the big 12 gonzaga they might make a push for in that conference right like sure. outside of baylor uh I, I think they could win almost any other league uh this year so yeah I, I, even if they don't win the big 10 i think everything you're talking about they could win the big 10 tournament they could they could win the ncaa tournament they're, they're good enough to do that they're one of the few teams that's good enough to do that if i reflect back on those big 10 titles in 98 it was michigan state and I think you shared it with them because Michigan State lost their final game at home against Purdue, and then that played you into a tie. In 01 and 02, you were looking at Michigan State, Ohio State, when they had Scooney Penn, Michael Red, and you had Wisconsin and Indiana. So you had some pretty good top five in the Big Ten, but not as much balance beneath that. Right. And then in 05, we love the 05 team, and as you should, they're one of the best teams. I mean, even Ken Palm, the metrics were just off the charts for that team, yep. but they were also the beneficiaries of a pretty easy Big Ten where I think the toughest game they had was at Michigan State and maybe at the Kohl Center. You mentioned Greg Gard. I want to hit on that real quick. No, you yeah, know my distaste for Wisconsin he, basketball. He, he was on my notes. I'm just, I was just so surprised. Like Everyone's like, oh, Greg Gard is terrible. And I just looked up the numbers of the last three years. Wisconsin has the best record in the Big Ten the last three years. And I understand what he took over from Bo Ryan. I understand how that can help you, right? But he's been the head coach for six years now. I think this is his roster, this is his program, and it's still a top twenty-five team. It's still a top five or six team in the Big Ten. And everyone's like, "This Greg Gard thing, it's it's done. It's clear he's not the guy." And I'm like, I don't know. I wouldn't be so quick to be like, "Yep, this isn't working at Wisconsin." I've learned I've learned that lesson far too many times. I've counted out that stupid program, and they find a way to finish top four every year. This this year they won't, in all likelihood, and. It was kind of jarring to watch the second half of that game yesterday. And then going back to the Illinois-Wisconsin game, there, there's a downward trend. 
There is. Now, what is their basement? What's their floor under they a They won guard? the Big Ten last year. They had a share of the Big Ten title I last know, year. I know, but uh, this goes back to my distaste for that program. And I That's think, what it I, is. I, I, they, they no, it's, they it's, it's the hope. You guys are hoping for it, right? Because of course. And, in 2018, of- 2018, I was with everybody. They go 15 and 18, 7 and 11. They miss the, the NCAA tournament. I'm like, well, Bo Ryan might have not done them a favor by kind of forcing Greg Gard into that job, right? Yeah. And then the last three years, they've been the best team record-wise. I mean, we'll see how this goes, and Michigan could could overtake this by the end of the season. But they've been the best team record-wise in the Big Ten. It's just they're so consistent. I, I know they have a bunch of seniors, and I know next year could be down for them. But that's such a high floor that I Wisconsin does what it does, right? And I know Bo Ryan had those Kaminsky, Decker, Koenig teams, right? And that's what I think a lot of people remember. Most of their years, though, Carp, they're finishing second, third, fourth, or fifth, right? And, and they're just kind of a top 25 team who you hate playing. Like, that's kind of what Guard has done, right? Yeah. I think that this is more akin to maybe a Bruce Weber thing. What I'm going to be looking for in terms of maintaining the program, and you mentioned it, we're, we're looking now at six years or five and a half because I think Bo was there for – what, three weeks in that final season? And yeah, however that all all shook out. But I am interested to see what level he can maintain. Sure. And now, for all we know, and this is just going to drive me crazy, all these 25-year-olds in the roster are going to like to come back for a seventh year next year because they can, and we got to run it back again. But that wouldn't necessarily scare me. And what what is just puzzling about this Wisconsin team and these guys that you've kind of gotten used to watching is let's take Nate Reavers, for example, someone that maybe I was just projecting he was going to become a Kaminsky-like figure because that's John just what Moore. happens at Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be – or Ethan Happ. He's going to be the All-American by the end of the year. Yeah, I, but, I, but I get where you're going. Te- yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I know, I get where you're going. I don't want to cut you off. Like, probably, um, you know, Potter – I like Potter. But those guys haven't had the development and haven't consistently gotten better. I, I think Trice has. I think Trice is a really, really good player. But, yeah, they kind of just stagnated this year, which is weird. They did. And not, not just stagnation, but you look at Nate Reavers and Brad Davison, everyone's favorite player. Yeah. Brad Davison was pretty good his sophomore year. I think about 13 points a game. He's down about eight and a half, nine points a game, and his shooting has went down. We saw it against Illinois. He was a non-factor. And, and that is just a weird thing to see for a Wisconsin program where you would see a guy have you know, a decent freshman year, and you think, oh, God, he's just going to be there for the next three years and be – be a thorn in our side, but there's less of that sense when playing them. Now that can change. I, th- I think Jonathan Davis and there. Tyler Wall, Jonathan Davis and Tyler Wall, you're going to hate them. Like I, th- I think of those, course. I think those are the next guys who do that. <laughs> and they're going to be fine. They're going to be good. I, I think though, it'll be interesting to see if the Bo Ryan era had those kinds of guys, but then they had the Frank Kaminsky here, or they had even back in the early days when you had, oh my gosh, the point guard Devin Harris. back in the early 2000s, Devin, Devin Tate. Harris, yeah. Yes, that's right. So there was always that one NBA quality guy on the team. And you look at Wisconsin right now, it's difficult to see that. You see some guys will probably be fine European players, but I don't see that guy that is a potential first-round pick. And Remember I, Jordan Taylor? Remember how good yeah. that guy was? Like and That came mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Exactly. So I, I think that with this, I'm just going to be interested. And of course, you know which direction I'm rooting for. Yeah. I'm rooting for them to fall back to the middle of the pack in the Big Ten. I actually, though, think that is more likely than Greg Gard going on a Bo Ryan-like run where they pepper in those top four finishes with Big Ten titles. And I say that a year after they won a Big Ten title. Yeah. And not trying to diminish what they did last year, but 
out of all the teams battling for a share of it, they had a very favorable late game stretch at the end. Yeah, I guess what I'm what I'm saying is like some people are like, oh, they might need to move on. And I'm like, I'm probably two years outside the top half of the Big Ten before I do that. Before I like yeah, just and, toss and they'll it stick out. with them. Yeah. They'll stick. Yeah. All right. Uh, other random notes. Um, I was thinking this for a while, Carp, and I was texting some people about this. But um, one tenure in the Big Ten is starting to remind me of another. And uh, Archie Miller and Indiana are sitting mm. there on the bubble. They're probably on the right side of the bubble with a couple big wins over Iowa. But I looked this up. Archie Miller's record and winning percentage at Indiana is now five five nine. You know who else's overall record at in the Big Ten was five five nine? Mm. Are active or previous? Former Big Ten coach. Oh, it's got to be John Gross, right? Yes. Of course. Exactly. And uh, his Big Ten record, Archie Miller's winning percentage a little bit better. It's like 450, so right under 500. John Gross was 411 because he had that one really bad 5-13 and 13 year. But those coaches are kind of reminding me of each other. And listen, I, I really personally like John Gross. I know people think I bag on him, but no, I really personally like him. And he's killing it at Akron. And I yes. think he's going to get another high major opportunity. I think he's very deserving of it. I've talked about it before. I think he had bad luck here at Illinois. I think he had to learn some things on the job that you know, the, his predecessor had to learn about recruiting and just, hey, stick to what you want to do. Like, don't don't recruit people that you think you have to go recruit. I think that's always, um, you know, tough for Illinois coaches because all the in-state stuff. But John, I think John's going to have another opportunity. Like, I'd love to see him at Marquette or some Big East program. I think that'd be really cool. But I think Archie, it, it's kind of like they're, they're sitting at this, like they're almost over the top, Carp, and they just can't get over it. I mean, Archie could go three or four years here Without it, with one NCAA tournament, and and that's just you and I have talked about this. I I thought that was the slam dunk higher in, in the Big Ten that year, and then you see Brad Underwood and what he's done at, at Illinois, and um, Chris Holtman and what he's done at Ohio State, and now what Juwan Howard's doing at Michigan. Um, I I just I'm surprised. I'm I'm really surprised Indiana has struggled that much, especially because I feel like he's recruited better uh, than John did early in his tenure, and they're just not getting enough out of it. So they can still make the tournament barely. But that's just that's not where Indiana should be under the coach who did what he did at Dayton. There's a couple things here. The first of which I wanted Archie. I think a lot of Illini fans wanted him because of the success in the postseason with Dayton. And it seemed like a natural fit. And I remember a time where it was like, well, Archie wouldn't even entertain a phone call from Josh Whitman. He 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 wouldn't go for Illinois. He's gonna go for something bigger. Well, he goes to Indiana, and this goes to my second point about Indiana as a whole where you had Tom Crean that had a decent level of success, but I understand why they moved on from him because over at Indiana, it's about winning Big Ten titles consistently, making Final Four runs, and his best team could not make the Final Four, a one seed that got beat, I think, by Syracuse in the Sweet 16. You'd have to go back to Mike Davis back in the early 2000s, and of course, he was fired, understandably so. It, it fizzled, making a national title game the last time that Indiana was truly nationally relevant for an extended period of time. You go back to the early 2000s, and that's a program that reminds me of what Nebraska is in football, one that is really kind of living on the ghost of you know teams past, sort of like Tom Osborne in Nebraska, Bob Knight in Indiana. But in the last 20 years, their success has been fleeting. And if you ask Big Ten teams, are you afraid of playing Indiana? When you see them on your schedule, does that scare you? It hasn't scared Big Ten teams for a long time. And that doesn't mean that besides those two like, two big 10 champion team teams under cream right but that was like inconsistent yeah, like oladipo right. and zeller that was scary freaking team but yes i, I know what you're saying yeah 
Yeah, so the blue blood status that they have, and I think historically you probably need to bestow that on them when you got multiple national titles and what Bob Knight did alone. That is blue blood level stuff, but even the tail end of the Bob Knight era, the, the veneer was coming off. You know, Indiana since then, since even the late 90s, is not a team that would scare you when they popped up on the schedule. And I don't know what kind of coach they can get. I think it's a bad mix of it's been too long since they've been that successful. And also the fan base is so stuck in that mode of we need to be at this level. I know Illinois fans, we get accused sometimes of thinking that our basketball program should be at a certain level. Truly, I'm happy if I can just get top four finishes and make the tournament consistently. And I understand a year like this, this is the aberration. But with Indiana, I think those expectations are sky high, and it's maybe unreasonable at this point. Yeah, Indiana reminds me a little bit of UCLA, right? Like th- yeah. those are programs with really high potential. And I mean, Ben Howland had UCLA in what back to back to back Final Fours or something. Oh six and oh seven yeah. at least. Yeah. I mean they they were they were rolling there for a little bit. Um, but I, I think there's that potential, and I think there'll always be that potential at a place like Indiana because there's one so much talent, and and two so much history, and three so much you know support uh, at Indiana. So maybe Archie can get them there, but he's he's not landing the talent that I thought he would. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis is a really good player, but for me, he's like you know four, five, six in my all Big Ten list right now. Like I know how big of an impact he makes for them, but you know EJ Liddell for me, it's like man, I might put him over. Trish Jackson Davis on my list just because I think he impacts winning um, so much more. And uh, they just struggle to score. It's just, it's, it's interesting. And gross had some of those same issues. So yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, Don't quit on Maryland yet this this year, by the way, Carp. They're 11 and 10 overall after a win against Minnesota yesterday, five and nine in the big 10, which isn't very good, but they have a very winnable schedule the rest of the way. I don't think they have a top, 30 team left in the Ken Palm and Ken Palm projects them to win five of their last six. They're currently 35 uh, or 36 in the net too. So if they can get to nine and 11 in, in the big 10, which I think would be probably likely at this point or 10 and 10, that's a, that's another potential big 10 team. And t- talk about fan base. that's always upset with their coach. Like Mark Turgeon had a really good run in the big 10 and th- it is starting to go down, which you're wondering, okay, do they have to think about making a move? They wanted to fire him for five or six years. It feels mm-hmm. like, cause they think they should be Duke level, right? They, they should be top uh, tier level, which they have been in the big 10. Uh, but that's a team that could another big 10 team that could sneak into the tournament. And if Maryland's in the ACC right now, they might be five or six, right? If you tell me that we can have Mark Turgeon levels of success here, what he's done in Maryland, if we can just move that over here and Illinois has that for a six, seven year stretch, I'm taking it. He reminds me, not just, not just cause he kind of looks like him, but he's very Lon Kruger like where he's not elite. He will occasionally have a team that's top 15 level, maybe even borderline top 10. And as a fan base, I, I can relate to at the end of the Lon Kruger era feeling like, ah, gosh, we're, we're there but we need an extra push, right? We need that extra thing to become elite. And Bill Self was the perfect guy for that. I don't know who that would be for Maryland, but it's also a be careful what you wish for sort of situation where you get rid of a guy like Turgeon, even in a down year like this, where they will still likely make the tournament. You know, this is the basement for what he's built there. And I'll take that. I mean, I know that off years are going to happen with Underwood for all I know next year is going to be an off year, depending on how they build that roster. It's so unknown, right? But I will take a Mark Turgeon-like era at Illinois basketball. And I'm saying that on the heels of a bad decade, but I think I would keep that 
regardless of what success we had before. If your down years are bubble, get possibly getting into the NCAA tournament, that's not a bad place after the last decade that you've been. That was like the high point, right? Like of, that became the norm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That became the norm. And and John Gross, and then you know bringing Archie Miller in the conversation. Yeah it became tiring to always wonder if you're going to be in the tournament. But if I have to think that every third or fourth year, oh, man, we got to win some games down the stretch as opposed to every single year. That alone, I'll take that. Speaking of not making the tournament, Michigan State is bad, like Mm -hmm. really bad. Um, And I guess Tom Izzo is due a bad year, but I just looked this up, Carp. Tom Izzo hasn't finished below 500 in the Big Ten since when? Can I say ever? Close. 97, his first year. His first year. Yeah. They finished one game under 500. This is by far his worst team. Pretty amazing. And, you know, Izzo's going to be fine. He's recruiting the best players in the country the next couple years. But, like, it made me start thinking, like, we kind of know where Duke's going to go after K. They'll probably hire John Shire or some former Duke assistant. There's not that guy from Michigan State, right? Like, I, I wonder what that job will be, like, who they can get. Um, it's kind of like after D'Antonio, I had no idea where they would go. And, and Mel Tucker had, you know, like it was interesting coach, different kind of coach. They're going a different way. Um, so it'd be very interesting after, you know, it could be 10 years from now. But like, I was just thinking that, like, we know we're kind of Coach K. They're going to go with a Duke guy. I don't know if Michigan State has that guy. I don't know either. Real quick about the Duke point. You mentioned John Shire, and I I know he's actually built himself a pretty decent coaching career, but I I look at that. I look at Michigan State. I look at programs that have really built their success behind one guy and question what's going to happen in the aftermath as opposed to, let's say, in North Carolina. Other than Matt Doherty. How about Syracuse? I mean, Jim Boeheim has been there, what, 40 years or something like that? Right. So what is their next step when you look at these programs that before that guy – I don't think, I mean, Michigan State, they they had their moments with Judd Heathcote, but really, for the most part, apart from Magic Johnson in 1979, Judd Heathcote, what he had there was like kind of what Lou Henson had here, yeah. if not maybe a smidge below. I think Sean Respert back in the mid-90s, that was the last great Judd Heathcote team. So that was not a program that he alone had built. Tom Izzo is Michigan State. You remove that from it. I don't know what direction they're going to go, and it, it, he probably does have more time now that the NBA ship has probably sailed. Yes. You know, he settled into the sort of twilight of his career, but that twilight could be another 10 years. And this is one of those things for the Illinois schedule uh, coming up. What is it next Tuesday? I think at Michigan State, the 23rd. And all of a sudden that's a game. You better not lose that because that's a bad team. That would be one of your worst. uh, That would be your worst loss. It would be your worst loss, uh, assuming you beat Northwestern, right? Which we shouldn't assume. Northwestern's given some people some tough games during their brutal, brutal schedule here. Um, but yeah, I mean, these next, I, I think Minnesota's a tough game, right? Like they are great at home. They're 13 and 1 at mm-hmm. home. They haven't won a road game, but they're 13 and 1 at home, which Rich Patino, that's another conversation, is like, what are they? But yeah, these next, you can't have a slip up. If you want to be in the Big Ten title race, you know, you could you could end up. I think the final of this schedule is going to be Wisconsin, Michigan, and Nebraska, right? That week, and then Ohio State. Like that's going to be a ridiculous four game stretch that determines everything. But just like against Nebraska, you have to win the next three to make that a possibility. Where that four game stretch determines the Big Ten. Yeah, this stretch right here is twofold for me. One, just avoid the bad loss and, and losing at Minnesota. Let's just say hypothetically they lost on Saturday. That would stink. It would take a little bit of the wind out of the sails, but it's not going to probably hurt you seeding-wise because Minnesota beats everyone up at home, and they're going to be a pretty decent NCAA tournament seed. 
but just hold serve, right? Give yourself a puncher's chance for that last week where when you have at Wisconsin, at Michigan, presumably, and at Ohio State, if you won out, then you might have a shot. But for me, it is really just about avoid the bad loss. Nebraska kind of reset my expectations. Not that I think any less of this team, but in order to maintain that level that you're at for the NCAA tournament, just avoid the slip up. And it's crazy to think that at Michigan State, is the one that I'm looking at thinking, I think we got this because they're really bad, yeah. but it's still the Breslin Center and it's still Tom Izzo, so you have this little uneasiness about it. Yeah. No, I I, I had that team pegged wrong. Like I just gave them credit for, you know, all of the – Duke? The Duke win. Yeah, well, it's just like – Which means nothing now. Early on in the season, I mean, then they lose to Northwestern. You're like, whoa, that's a big win for Northwestern, and it really isn't, right? I know it really right. isn't. But, like, I just thought coming in this year – I thought Rocket Watts was going to take the next step. I thought Aaron Henry would take the next step. And, you know, none of those guys really have. Henry's a little bit better. He's a good defender. I think he can play in the NBA. But, man, Rocket Watts has been a big disappointment for them. Uh, Speaking of Nebraska, good for them getting that win. I mean, they've played, what, five games in eight days or something like that? And they follow up a, a really disappointing end of the Illinois game where you saw how hard they play. And, you know, Fred Hoiberg... I don't know what's going to happen there in the next couple of years, but his guys are playing hard despite everything they're going through. And they beat Penn State last night. And I was just thinking about this too, Cart. Penn State, that's a program I really admired under Pat Chambers because you always knew you were going to have to battle, right? And Illinois had a bad stretch against Penn State where Penn State was winning more games than they lost. But they always played hard. They won the NIT in 2018 uh, with a really good Lamar Stevens, Tony Carr, those guys. And then Carr left. And you're like, man. Like just as they were about to get over that hump and get to the tournament, and they weren't very good the next year. But then last year, they were a top twenty-five team. They were top ten when Illinois beat them uh, in Happy Valley last year. Then Chambers has to resign after those allegations with the noose and everything. Now I, I guess I just feel bad for Penn State hoops fans, the few that there are, because it felt <laughs> like, it felt like they were right there of getting over that hump. Like this was like I know Penn State's made the tournament, right? But like under DeCellis a couple times with Taylor Battle and those guys. But it felt like they were like right there of like becoming potentially a top 10 Big Ten program, which is huge for them. And you can get to the NCAA tournament, you know, every couple of years. And now it's just like, I think, you know, obviously they're probably going to move on from the coach, uh, Jim Ferry, after this year and, and go find somebody. But now it just feels like it's going to be a whole reset and that they're going to be right at the back at the bottom, uh, which they are right now with, with Northwestern and Nebraska. On the cusp. It's like for some programs, it's just not meant to be. And they had all these things lined up for them. And there was one thing or the other, including COVID-19 impacting the tournament last year, where even though Penn State fell off, they would have had probably pretty good seed in the NCAA tournament. Think about that. Almost a year ago, and I don't know if it was to the day or not, but it wasn't far from it, where Illinois was dead to rights. I think they lost to Rutgers on this day a year ago. And we didn't know when Iowa was necessarily going to come back. And then a few days later, I think on a Tuesday night, you play Penn State, and at that moment, felt like one of the biggest wins ever. So it is crazy to think that going forward, Penn State will probably revert back to what we're used to. I should say what we're used to. I mean, Ed DeCellis and Pat Chambers probably had an over 500 record against Illinois. Yeah. Or close. <laughs> and that shouldn't happen regardless of how good Penn State is. But they are probably going to go back towards uh, the pre-John Crispin days when you saw Penn State on the schedule, and that was a relief. You never know what can happen, Carp. And with, with, you know, the numbers are, are definitely improving, uh, COVID numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, the variants are, are an unknown at this point, right? And we saw what Michigan did when they had issues in, in their university and their athletic department. 
But like, I'm, I'm just thinking, you just said a year ago, like a year ago, we're sitting there, they beat Penn State and then they beat Nebraska Northwestern, right? Which were, you know, some, some competitive games. Then they beat Indiana by one point, right? At, at home. And that crowd was an, an intense and Iowa had a great finish that game. They go on the road and lose to, to Ohio State. And I, it's vivid in my memory, Carp. It's the first time, like, I felt like I knew the pandemic was different because there was a sign in the bathroom that said, wash your hands. It's the first, <laughs> first time I'd ever seen it. And I remember yeah. coming back and they had the Iowa game. And I remember like all of us were like, I was like really into washing my hands and all of that. And then the next day was the pro day. And I, I vividly remember going, all right, don't shake hands with people, bump fists. And then all of a sudden the next week it's done. Right. Like, and now I'm just sitting there like, we have a month until the NCAA tournament and I feel like we're going to get it in. I feel like it's going to work, but it's just like, I'm trying to appreciate this as much as possible. And I think that's what this last year is going to do for everybody. Maybe not just the sports world, but for everything. Like when I can just be with people again, I think we're all just going to appreciate it a lot more because it's just been taken away from us. So like, this is fun. And last year, I think reminded us how much fun it is to see the CBS doing college basketball games on the weekends again. And like in a month, we're going to be hearing commercials about the masters every couple seconds. And it's like, they're actually going to play the masters in Augusta in, in April this year. And it's just like, Oh, at least we're starting to get some semblance back of what our sports calendar is and, and hopefully more of what our life is. Sorry to you go know, meta I, on you. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you mentioned a year ago, and to the day it was the Rutgers game, which was fairly uneventful. But we had a, we were the Smashing Pumpkins of the Great Cover Up that night. City Center was packed. It was a concert. Remember those? Those were fun. And you mentioned <laughs> the it. Iowa game too. And I distinctly remember uh, my dad and I go to that game. It was a beautiful Sunday. It was like perfect sp early spring day. Crowd was amazing. I did go to the bathroom one time, and there were the signs in there, and I washed vigorously. Not that I don't <laughs> wash my hands, anyways, but I'm talking vigorously. And a friend came up to us at halftime, and just by habit, I put my hand out to shake it. And I remember thinking, oh, like, yeah, because you can't, you can't bring it back. And we shook hands, and it was fine. We didn't get COVID from it or anything. But what is very exciting about this, so a uh, couple of days, well, it's my dad's birthday today. Little, so. little did we know then, like, you're breathing on that person, which is exactly. the bigger deal. <laughs> Far worse, right? So today's my dad's birthday, and a couple of days from now, happy birthday, Dennis. Shot number two. Yes, happy birthday, Dennis. Two days from now, they're getting shot number two. Next Monday, I'm getting shot number two, which means here's my ideal world, right? And I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna happen. Selection Sunday, just like the old days, going to my parents' house, ordering monocles, settling in to watch Illinois' name come up in on Selection Sunday, which we got robbed of last year, but it's gonna be that much more meaningful for a variety of reasons. That come this Selection Sunday, it will happen. Eight years and eight years. Yeah. It's been eight. since that's happened. And by the way, those eight years ago, not really knowing what to expect because I remember watching the Big Ten tournament game against Minnesota where Brandon Paul got the win and still feeling like, yeah, we probably better win this game. Little did we know all the quality wins got you a seven seed regardless. But this is so much different because there's not going to be that uncertainty. As long as this team just does what they're doing right now and gets another quality one or two, they're going to be a two seed at worst and probably the best, though – your gift for that, because there will be two number one seats from the Big Ten, your gift will be in either Baylor or Gonzaga's bracket. But you know what? We'll cross that bridge when we get there. I, I'm just – it's crazy to think we were having this conversation anyway. Yeah. No, it's great. It's great that we are. Um, and I just, I, I just had that moment over the weekend as I'm watching CBS College Sports. I'm like, this, this, feels, this feels normal. 
right? Yep. Like I'm watching college basketball in February on a national network that it has the NCAA tournament and that's a month away and Illinois is in it. And this is fun. Like, it was just like, man, this is nice. <laughs> so I just had that moment. Well, All right. You probably thought when you started covering Illinois sports in earnest that this would be, if not a two seed every year, that this was going to be the norm that come mid February, you were going to be talking about seeding yep. as opposed to bubble. And I think that we're back to that point and there will be some hiccups when you lose a guy like Iowan Kofi, but it does feel like things have stabilized for this program to the degree where we're going to be having this conversation more often than not. Yeah. All right, Carp, great to catch up, man. We went a little longer today, but that was a good Big Ten chat there. Hey, it's a snowy day. There's nothing else to do, <laughs> so right. it's it's good catching up. All right, Carp, have a good week, man. All right, man, take care. We'll All see right, you. See. Went long today, but uh, I really enjoyed the conversation, not only about Illinois, but there's just so many things going on in the Big Ten, so many thoughts percolating over uh, a great weekend uh, of college basketball. we got many more of them coming up, especially you know, if Illinois takes care of business with a couple wins this week, which is never for sure, which we saw against Nebraska. But if they take care of business, you got Michigan, Ohio State, one of those will give the other one a loss, which will give Illinois either a chance to catch up to Michigan or a chance to get some separation from Ohio State and possibly – Get into that one seed line. If Ohio State falls, maybe Illinois wins a couple games and and kind of moves into their spot. So a lot of jockeying for position here right now in the Big Ten. We have a loaded Illini Inquirer website right now. Check out Derek Piper if you're reading this Monday afternoon uh, because Derek Piper has the latest on a decision primer for new uh, not new target, but uh, Illini target R.J. Melendez, a wing uh, from the East Coast, top 100 uh, in the composite score right now. So uh, check up on the latest there. He's making his decision tonight. Could have a reaction podcast to that uh, coming up after that as well. Got the latest on Illinois basketball. Big weekend, by the way, for men's tennis. I have a little bit on that. And uh, I had a fun exercise over the weekend. I was thinking about this with Illinois playing Northwestern and then Loyola uh, being such a good program and had a great game against Drake uh, yesterday, and uh, they lost, but uh, Loyola, obviously a very, very good program. I thought, hey, let's rank the state's 13 Division One basketball programs because it hasn't been a very good run for the state the last decade or so. There's been some good things, Northwestern making the tournament, Loyola making the Final Four, but uh, Missouri Valley, I think there's been some, you know, shuffling up of how we'd list those programs. Bradley said a good couple of years here. So I ranked the 13 uh, division one basketball program. So you can go there. If you're a supporter of another program, maybe you get upset at me, uh, but uh, explain why I, I did the rankings the way I did. So a lot going on a lot. I inquire if you don't already subscribe to our podcast, wherever you get your podcast, rate us and review us. We appreciate when you do that helps us out a little bit as well. All right, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Choir podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 